What's up? It's Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood podcast presented by Coors Light. Stay inside and buy your Coors Light online. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, take time to chill. This is Under the Hood. Under the Hood podcasts are available now on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. Available on your device now. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sport. Time for us to review the NFC North draft. Interesting choices by the Packers, Lions, and Vikings, and the Bears, of course. We're talking about it right here on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood here on ESPN 1000. As we review the NFC North, let's start with the Green Bay Packers. Oh, yes. Dreams come true, indeed. Let's talk about the Green Bay Packers and hear from Tony Smith, talk show host for our sister station ESPN Milwaukee. He joins us right here as we review the North right here on ESPN 1000. Tony, as always, I appreciate your time. What are your thoughts on what the Green Bay Packers did in the draft? Oh, man, you're trying to make me uh, get sick right now? I don't even want to talk about what they did. <laughs> it, was, it was not good from my perspective. Uh, you know, I'm a, I grew up in Wisconsin and Milwaukee. I'm a diehard Packer fan, and, you know, I, I saw what they did last year. Now, granted, last year I think they got lucky, to be honest with you, to, to wind up 13-3 and and to get as far as they did in the playoffs. Uh, they were clearly outmatched in the NFC Championship game against the Niners. But, you know, I saw a ton of needs – uh, especially stopping the run. I mean, we always joke on our, on our show, uh, TBD, uh, every day that, you know, Raheem Mostart is still running right now. <laughs> he was running on the Packers so bad yeah. in an NFC championship game. So first and foremost, I'm like, you know, the Packers scored 20 points against a great defense. You gave up 37, though. Let's stop the run. You know, let's, let's plug that hole up and, and stop that bleeding first. So to be honest with you, Queen was still on the board. I thought maybe that's where they would go, try to try to uh, stop the run a little bit better next season. But then they pulled the Jordan Love thing, and not only did they pull the Jordan Love thing, it was almost like the worst-case scenario, to be honest with you. I'd say they should move down, get an extra pick. That way you got more chances at getting somebody who can help. They did the opposite. They moved up to get a backup quarterback. And I was like, is this for real? And then the second, I thought, okay, maybe they're going to address the offense and get Rodgers some weapons, second-round pick. And then they go, they get some offense, all right, but they picked up a running back who's going to be third string. So you got a, a second string at best quarterback, third string running back. I mean, Aaron Jones was phenomenal last year. Um, and, and Williams, who's going to be backing him up, is you know a kind of a third-down guy. He's in the mix. So... I didn't see the two top picks in the draft helping next year, and that was my whole problem with the draft. I just look at it like this, T. I look at it as Aaron Rodgers just said on Pat McAfee's show not too long ago, he goes, man, it's been 15 years since we had like a skill position player that we drafted. And the, and the Packers is like, oh, you want a skill position player? How about Jordan Love? How about somebody that could, could replace you at some point? So I, <laughs> I, I was just like, wow, what a middle finger to Aaron Rodgers. So I, I want to know from your standpoint, do you foresee Rodgers being with the Packers for the long haul just based on just the lack of moves and what we just saw in the draft? Uh, man, you know, as I say, he's – first of all, if you're going to try to move Rodgers – 
any way or how, you're taking a huge cap hit. I mean, the guy makes a ton of money, and it's going to cost you a lot. In that respect, I I don't see it, and I don't even want to see it. I mean, I think Rodgers got at least a good a four a good four years left. I mean, if you look at what Tom Brady was able to do, was he declining in his skill set a little bit? Maybe a little bit, but he was still so smart and still able to make the necessary plays uh, that he could keep his team playing at a high level. I really felt like, you know, although Rodgers, you know, some might say the last couple of years were not were down years, but they're only down years for Aaron Rodgers, if you're Aaron Rodgers. It wasn't like it was a down year uh, for Jimmy Garoppolo or a, a down year for some of these other guys. But for Aaron Rodgers, maybe a little less than what we're used to seeing him do and, and perform. But, you know, I would hate to – I don't even want to think about seeing him somewhere else. You know, we don't want this Brett Favre thing all over again. I don't want to see that. So, for for, for the Packer fan and me, I hope that's not the case. But you got to – you got to think how upset is Aaron about what happened. And I think what happens next season uh, is going to play a huge part in that. If they don't have the success that I think that I, I expect them to have and Aaron probably expected to have after last year, what they're able to do, uh, some problems might start to develop and you might uh, see some issues about maybe demanding a trade or trying to, trying to move them at that point. Reviewing the NFC North in its draft with Tony Smith from ESPN Milwaukee with Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. So for someone who played in the NBA for a while and you know what it's like, you know, where a new person comes in and maybe sometimes a veteran player feels like he's being threatened. So and all I've been hearing to you is like, oh, Aaron Rodgers would be terrible for Jordan Love because there's no way that they're going to have synergy or relationship similar to Favre to Rodgers. So how overblown is that or how realistic is that where Rodgers looks at Love and says, you're not going to take my job anytime soon and we'll show it to him on a daily basis? Uh, you, know, you know, the thing there with that dynamic is that Rodgers went through the same thing with, with Brett Favre. When he mm-hmm. came in, Brett Favre still felt he had a lot of gas in the tank. As a matter of fact, he played after uh, he was replaced there and, and went on with, with the Jets and the Vikings. So he's been through that. And there's been a lot of talk about people thinking, well, he's not going to repeat what Favre did to him, so he's going to be nice to Jordan Love. And I, I think I, I kind of want to agree with that. I think he's going to he's going to see Jordan Love as just somebody who's going to be a backup for a while. He does. I don't think he's going to view him as a threat. I mean, Brian Gutekunst, the GM himself, said that Love was raw. I mean, so that right there tells you he is not ready to step in. So Aaron's not going to see him as a threat. Uh, Aaron's a, a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. I mean, he can't be threatened by a, a rookie who the the GM says. Uh, is raw. So I don't think he's worried about it in that sense. I do, again, think he's going to be upset about the entire situation. Possibly some of that might rub off when he looks at Jordan Love and, and, and you know, he's looking at him like, yeah, you're the guy they picked instead of actually getting me some help. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he might be a little bit bitter that way. And I don't know how much of that's going to rub off on Jordan Love, but I will, I think that him going through that with Favre is going to maybe keep him in check as far as treating uh, Jordan Love the wrong way. And I, I, I agree with Rodgers. I don't see Jordan Love beating Rodgers out straight up in the next four years.
Because the Packers, do they have enough weapons to compete in the NFC North offensively? I like I like the team, and it, I think it's always good enough, Tony, to be able to win the NFC North. It's right. to me, they're the even though Minnesota had a terrific draft, I would say you can't count out Rodgers, but that's only to an extent, though, because look at look at. Um, Look at Green Bay against San Francisco in the regular season and in the playoffs. It's, it's not, it wasn't even close. The personnel, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even close. So, so, right. uh, so, my question is: from a personnel standpoint, does Rodgers have enough this year to be able to surpass what he did last year? Yeah, and I don't think uh, he does. Now, I, I don't mind the uh, addition of uh, AJ Dillon at, at running back. He's a big physical back something that the Packers did not have. Aaron Jones is a smaller guy. Williams, another smaller guy. So now you got a big bruising back. You can bring in, you know, on those third and shorts, uh, late in the fourth quarter when you, you're, you're up and you're just trying to grind teams out when guys don't want to take hits from big guys. Similar to what you saw Derrick Henry do in Tennessee, uh, just mowing the guys down, especially late in the game, uh, because they don't want those late-game hits. Uh, so he, he, I could see him being a factor, being in the mix. Devin Funch is obviously a free agent acquisition. They desperately needed help at a wide receiver. A lot of people clamoring, you know, let's get a wide receiver in the draft. That didn't happen. I'm not so high on wide receivers in the draft. Rookie wide receivers really don't uh, tend to do that much. Every now and then you'll you'll hit some gold there, but more times than not, you're not going to get a lot of production out of that, especially if you're looking for them to do a lot of production. The, the caveat for this draft, with the addition of Funches, you have uh, Devontae Adams at your one. Now you have Funches at your two. Now if you're drafting somebody, they are just competing for the third wide receiver spot. Now that's a different level of production, one I think a rookie could handle and then maybe develop into something else the following years and even get better towards the end of the season. So uh, in that sense, I think people wanted to see uh, the offense get bolstered in that way. But uh, as far as do they have enough, again, to compete at what level, yeah, winning the NFC, of course, yeah. But I don't know about competing with the Niners again and, and some of the other teams that also uh, did upgrades in the offseason. Tony, I hope they get a chance to talk to you again and looking forward to the, the uh, NFC North and see how it's all going to shake out. I appreciate it as always. Yeah, Jonathan, thanks for having me on. And uh, hopefully we can talk about something good with the Packers and, and we'll talk some basketball too if, if that gets started back up as well. For sure, for sure. Tony, thank you so much, man. All right, man, have a good one. All right, it is uh, our guy Tony Smith from uh, ESPN Milwaukee with us here on ESPN 1000. Now let's move over to the Lions. And so we will... Uh, uh, it's a really boastful Lion uh, for a team that's not very good. Uh, we turn to Tony Ortiz from 97.1 The Ticket, uh, who covers the Lions and everything else, Motown in sports, with us here on ESPN 1000 as we reviewed the NFC North. Tony, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, what are your thoughts on what the Lions did in the draft? I think they filled some definite roster holes that they had going into the draft. The picking of DeAndre Swift, for example, gives them another running back to team up with Carrion Johnson, who has really been kind of a disappointment since his first two seasons ended up with injuries, and those seasons ended early. Uh, getting a guy like Jeff Okuda gives them somebody to replace Darius Slay, which is something they desperately needed. But there were a couple of picks later on, Okwara and Jackson most notably. Those are two picks of guys who – could potentially be starters for the Lions this fall. So overall, they had a solid draft where they got players that they needed to fill some of their bigger roster holes. Tony, if you have Johnson from Auburn, Scarborough from Alabama, and Swift now from Georgia, if you cannot run the football now, shut down the team. <laughs> Just shut you it down. Know what? 
I agree with you wholeheartedly, but here's the thing. That offensive line's got to come through, and that was a major problem last year. Uh, Matthew Stafford got crushed, and that's one reason why he didn't play the second half of the season because that offensive line was shaky at best in some games and just downright awful in some other games. Okuda seems like he could be a day-one starter at corner opposite of Trufant. Is that a possibility? I think that's more than a possibility. I think that's likely what is going to happen, although this is kind of a strange year with no off-season programs and maybe shortened training camps. But, yeah, that's the potential. That's what the Bob Quinn, the GM, and Matt Patricia, the head coach, both said. They believe that Jeff Okuda is a guy you can plug in and could be a starter from day one. So, yeah, that's the expectation at this point for the former Buckeye. Uh, Tony Ortiz from 97 won the ticket in Detroit with me, Jonathan Hood, as we do our NFC North review of the draft with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, the brand-new ESPN Chicago app. Tony, how, um, how much of a possibility was it for the Lions to be able to go up in the draft? There was a lot of speculation on the draft status in the first round for the Lions. Was that mm-hmm. really a possibility? It was in the beginning, but as it turns out, as, as Bob Quinn, the GM, said right after the first round, he got no calls on draft night. Nobody called, not the Los Angeles Chargers, not the Miami Dolphins, the two teams that were expected to move up with the Lions. So he got no calls, and I think part of it is because the Lions lost a little bit of the leverage they had by in February when the rumors came out that maybe Matthew Stafford might be on the trading block. The Lions came out so strongly in saying, nope, he's going to be our quarterback going forward. You know, we have 100% faith in him, that they kind of lost the leverage to be able to convince a team like the Dolphins or the Chargers that they might be interested in grabbing a tongue of Vialoa or Justin Herbert, which is what they ended up not doing. So, Tony, I mean, I think that once the, you know, the Patricia era is done, whenever that's going to be for the Lions, you have no other choice but to look back at the Jim Caldwell administration. So after that four-year run with Caldwell, are the, are the Lions better off now than they were under Caldwell? Record-wise, no. Development-wise, no. I I really can't say that they are a better team at this point than they were when Jim Caldwell left a couple of years ago. Now, granted, Matt Patricia said this was going to take some time to implement the culture that he wanted to, but these have been two very disappointing seasons. This is a team that's gone backwards, Jonathan. They went from 9-7 and to 6-10 and to 3-12-1. and That's not the type of progress they thought they were going to see when they brought Matt Patricia in. As a result, he and Bob Quinn at this point are on what I call warm seats. They're not necessarily hot seats because had the seats gotten hotter, they'd have been fired at the end of last season after that disappointing year. Instead, though, the seats are kind of warm. They could probably survive another year if they can get the six or seven wins. But anything beyond that, it's hard to see with the way ownership works with the Lions. When you think they're going to go left, they go right. When you think they're going to go right, they go left. So there's a chance they get fired. There's a chance they stay. You just never know with ownership. Yeah, I was going to ask you how slippery is a slope for uh, for Patricia, but you say not so slippery. Not so slippery. Here's the thing. Again, strange year with everything going on. They could actually double their win total from last year. They can go from three wins to six wins. It's still a bad season. They're still going to be six and ten. But if you're Bob Quinn and you're Matt Patricia, you go to ownership and say, look, as crazy a year as this has been, the Lions still managed to double their win total from three to six. And I think that would be good enough for ownership to say, you know what, you can stick around and get another year of development. So to me, that's why I say it's not a hot seat. It's a warm seat. 
If they struggle this year, they only win four or five games, they could be in trouble. But I just don't think that's going to happen. I think these guys are going to stick around at least another year. So, Tony, when I think of name game with the Lions, the first thing I think of, well, okay, the pass rush needs to be better. The offensive line mm-hmm. needs to be better. And but it, mm-hmm. but we have to go down the line a little bit before we even get to Matt Stafford. Uh, what is your analysis of Stafford for not, not only now but for the future? Because out of all the issues that surround the Lions, I don't think of Stafford first. Where where is he among some of the question marks? You know, way down. And you're right, Jonathan. He's way down on the list as far as question marks go. I think when, before he got injured last year, Matthew Stafford was having one of his best, if not the best, first half of a season he's had since turning pro. To me, he's a guy that if you're Bob Quinn and you're Matt Patricia and you have to win now, or at least you need to win now, he's the guy you want calling the signals. He's comfortable in Daryl Bevel's offense. He's running the offense almost like he was there from day one with Bevel when he created it. Uh, he's done a really good job adapting to this offense and using the weapons that he's had available. So as far as what area he is as a problem on the Lions roster, I'd say, like you said, way, way, way down on the list. He's not even an issue at this point for the Lions. So, Tony, I'm thinking Minnesota had the best draft in the NFC North. I know you're able mm-hmm. to at least peruse it. What what stands out most? Because I think that the, the Vikings really nailed their needs, and I think that's the most important thing when it comes to the draft. I agree with you 100%, Jonathan. They went in with a certain set of needs, and they definitely picked up on those needs. To me right now, I think the Vikings draft makes them the favorites in the NFC North because I'm not exactly sure what they were thinking in Green Bay. I mean, Jordan Love, I understand needing to eventually replace Aaron Rodgers, but that has the potential to possibly blow up in their faces. And the last thing you need if you're the Packers is any kind of distraction. Teams are going to be gunning for them this year, so I think they take a step back, and I think the Vikings may take a step forward. The X factor in the division is going to be the Chicago Bears. I'm not sure exactly, are they going to be better? Are they going to take a step back? I'm not exactly sure with that team at this point. So to me, they're the X factor. Look out now. we got Jimmy Graham, and he's, uh, he's <laughs> it'll be hard for him to run the you know run with the football when he's pockets are so loaded with cash <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna be out there with a mask and a gun out there apparently it's gonna the be last something. couple of years he's played he definitely needed a mask and a gun but you know what that's one of those that's one of those things though he comes in with a chip on his shoulder who knows what he's going to do if he turns out to be the jimmy graham for a couple of years ago the bears now have another weapon and they become an even more dangerous team Tony, I'm glad you spent some time looking forward to the season whenever it starts. Um, looking forward to it because I think each team in the division is very compelling. Uh, no doubt about it. There's some number of great stories around the NFC North. And like you said, I can't wait for the season to get started if it even does get started. This could be a fun year as the NFC North just beats up on each other. Tony, thank you so much as always. Jonathan, anytime, man. appreciate it. Tony Ortiz with us talking about the Lions in our NFC North review right here on ESPN 1000. We talk about the Vikings. Skull next. It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. We'll have Tales from the Hood, stories of sports entertainment, everything else in between coming up. After uh, 8.30, also, uh, we'll get a chance to talk about baseball. The return of baseball, is that imminent? We will get to that uh, in our 9 o'clock hour, and 9 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. We've been taking a look at the NFC North. We've reviewed the Bears. We've talked about the Packers and the Lions. And, oh, got to talk about the Vikings. Yes, yes, Skull. Yes, the Vikings 
had one heck of a draft. Let's turn to Manny Hill, who covers the Vikings for Score North and scorenorth.com, 1500 a.m. in the Twin Cities. And Manny joins me here on ESPN 1000. Manny, we appreciate you coming on the program. Let me get your thoughts. What stood out most about the Vikings draft? Well, I think I, I think most people would look at what they did with their two first-round picks, getting Justin Jefferson, the, the uh, terrific wide receiver from LSU, and then um, trading back a few spots to take Jeff Gladney from the uh, defensive back and the cornerback from TCU. Um, but really, Jonathan, what they did was they stockpiled a lot of young players by continuing to trade back and trade back and trade back. And Rick Spielman, the longtime GM of the Vikings, he um, – he, he did what he loves to do the most, I think, where he moved back into the draft. And they had, if I'm not mistaken, going into the third day of the draft on Saturday, the Vikings had 13 picks on the, uh, on the third day of the draft. Now, they ended up trading a couple of those picks um, into next year's draft, I think. So I think they ended up taking 11 or 12 guys in the, um, in the, la- in the latter rounds of the draft on Saturday. So they really just... I think if if you look at what they what they did that stood out the most, I think it's just they they got a lot of young talented bodies that are going to be in camp trying to compete for spots. I love the Justin Jefferson uh, pick at wide receiver. You expect him to be a day one starter, correct? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think when you look at them moving on from Stephon Diggs, trading him to Buffalo, and using then that draft pick or one of the draft picks that they got for Stephon Diggs from the Bills to take Justin Jefferson. I, I think he's he's looking to step in and make an immediate impact. Now, how how much that impact will be, I think, remains to be seen because, you know, you know this. I mean, wide receivers, when they come into the NFL, with the exception of, you know, the Randy Moss types, the, the, the freakish athletes, a lot of those guys don't make immediate impacts when they come into the league. But I think they're going to look to get Justin Jefferson involved in the offense right away. We'll probably see him on the slot, I think. Um, you know, the Vikings were a little bit busy in the offseason getting Tajay Sharp. Um, I think he'll be out wide, and, of course, they got Adam Thielen still, too. But we'll see Justin Jefferson, I think, in the slot a lot. And, uh, you know, how much production he'll have, uh, I think, will, be, will be, uh, remain to be seen. Manny Hill from Score North and ScoreNorth.com with Jonathan Hoods. We talk about the Vikings right here on ESPN 1000, the brand-new ESPN Chicago app. My takeaway from the corners, Manny, by getting Dantzler and being able to uh, solidify Gladney was, well, you know, if one doesn't work, the other one will. And I, I like that they were able to, to get that and ring that bell twice. How important was it for the Vikings to solidify two corners in the draft? Oh, it's huge. It was, it was absolutely huge, and I think when you look at what the Vikings lost in free agency with Xavier Rhodes moving on and Trey Waynes moving on, you know, depth was going to be an issue. Now they, they, still, you know, they still have Holton Hill, who has shown signs of being a pretty productive player in that spot, um, but he, he's a difficult guy to count on because he's been suspended a few times by the league now for off-the-field stuff, but he is a talented player. And then you got Mike Hughes, who was a first-round pick for them in 2018, who has dealt with injury issues. Um, so those figure to be the two guys, at least on the depth chart, to start to be the two starters at corner. But 
we're going to have to look at these two young guys that they got, you know, Jeff Gladley in the first round, and then Cameron Dantzler, you mentioned him, they got him in the third round out of Mississippi State. Those are two guys that are going to have some opportunities in camp to at least be contributors right of the way as they step in as rookies. So funny around these parts of Chicago, the lament has always been, man, you know, the Bears need to draft a quarterback every year until they get it right because they've had so many issues at that position. And it's kind of like an old Ron Wolf theory from years gone by with the um, with the Green Bay Packers when he was the general yeah. manager. Uh, but it's I just <laughs> I just like how the Vikings once again stick it to everybody just saying, you know, we have a lot of draft capital here. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Nate Stanley. Uh, and, and even though it's a seventh round pick, I saw St- Stanley. I mean, I mean, here in the Big Ten country, like you are, we saw Nate Stanley in Iowa. I think it's a it's a fine pick as a backup. Uh, what would you think of that choice by the Vikings, just to have Stanley just on the roster, just in case? Well, I I I'll tell you, I subscribe to that theory of investing one of your mid to late round picks on a quarterback. You know, every you know, if not every other year, maybe every three or four years, just to get, you know, a, a fresh young arm into your system, into your into your organization, uh, and to see if you can turn him into anything. I mean, we've seen quarterbacks every now and then get drafted in the mid to late rounds that turn out to be starters. One of them just so happens to be arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. He was taken in the sixth round. So mm-hmm. you know that these guys – some of these guys on occasion can step in and, and become good guys. The, the Vikings starting quarterback right now, Kirk Cousins, was a fourth-round pick uh, once upon a time. So I, I always subscribe to that theory of getting a, quarterback, getting a young quarterback every other year you know, to see if you can develop him and turn him into something. And you know what? If you already have your guy and the guy that you draft – develops and turns out pretty good you can always trade them and, and flip them for another draft pick or something something else of value to you so i i definitely subscribe to that theory i was sitting at home jay hood watching this draft mm-hmm. wanting the vikings to take a quarterback with one of their fifth or fifth or sixth round picks and there were guys out there eason was there jake Fromm was there i was you know banging my fist on the table saying take one of those guys just to see because you never know uh, but they, they take Nick Stanley in the seventh round, and, you know, we'll see. I mean, they, they've got, you know, a couple of veterans in front of him and that, that are probably figured to be ahead of him on the depth chart. But he'll, he'll get an opportunity to shine in camp and, and see if he can make the roster. So, Manny, when you take a look at the roster composition of the Vikings, the Packers, and the Bears as well, so are the Vikings the best just based on what you've seen? Oh, that's a good question. I think with what they've done in the draft, I think they've set themselves up. I think the best to to have a successful season. Um, I, I, I'm still a little bit confused as to what the Packers did. <laughs> I mean, I I, I kind of understand the the idea of you know trading up to get Jordan Love, and you know Aaron Rodgers is getting a little long in the tooth. He's going to turn 37 in December. I understand that, but they did not really address any of their needs on offense to try and help Aaron Rodgers out to try and have as much success with him as possible. They didn't draft any wide receivers in a draft that was just absolutely loaded at that position. I, 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 you know, the Packers had a really good season last year. I thought they may have overachieved just a little bit. Um, I, I tend to think they're going to come back to earth a little bit and, 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 you know, we'll see, we'll see with the bears. I think the bears have, are you know they still have 
Uh, they still have a really good defense and a lot of playmakers on that side of the ball, and I think you're just looking for, you know, hopefully some progression from Mitch Trubisky, and I think that if that happens, the Bears will be in pretty decent shape. But I think right now, with what the Vikings have done this offseason, even with all the guys that they lost on the defensive side of the ball, I think they've done a pretty solid job at, at filling some of those holes and um, and setting themselves up to have a pretty good season in, in 2020. Well, uh, all the the best to uh, all the teams in the NFC North. I think the Vikings, hats off to them, Manny. I think they did a terrific job uh, yeah. of, of uh, addressing needs. And the uh, Bears just didn't have enough capital to do what the Vikings did. And that's the problem. You know, When you're, you're mortgaging the um, the future for the present and you're trying to plug holes, it's just a different dynamic here. So, But we'll see what happens. I think it'll be very interesting when the season commences. Jay Hood, you know, man, this division is always it's always fun, man. Rather yeah. it's the Bears or the Packers or the Vikings on top. You know, the Lions were still kinda of waiting on the Lions to join the party once in a while, but right. this division is always fun, man. These these games are always good. It's always competitive and tight. It should be another fun one in uh, two thousand twenty. Man, as always, I appreciate it, my friend. Thanks so much for coming on the show. All right, buddy. Good to talk to you, man. It's uh, Manny Hill from uh, Score North and scorenorth.com as we review the NFC North. Tales from the Hood is next. What do you got This is your car. My car? I said a 10-second car, not a 10-minute car. Pop the hood. Pop the hood? Pop the hood. Tales from the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Here we go. Time for Tales from the Hood right here on ESPN 1000, the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Jonathan Hood with you. We give you something sports, something entertainment, something in between. You never know what's going to be. And tonight, Sean Davis, one of the producers of this show, along with Tyler Akee, Sean and I will be in the in the good essence, in the good um, uh, you know, the good vibes of the Last Dance documentary. We will take a look at the Jordan draft, and we call the Jordan draft the 1984 draft. And we're going to, again, something that I've seen Bill Simmons and Ryan Russillo did. Sean, we have to make sure we put up there up front and personal that, hey, we have seen this on the Russillo podcast, the Russillo Simmons podcast, uh, as they do a lot of redrafting. So we're going to redraft the 84 draft. This is completely stolen from their show, and we're going to use it here. <laughs> it's all right. So are you ready, sir? Let's do it. Or I could have said this is something original that we came up with. I just taking credit. Mm, no. That's the business, <laughs> is it not? Uh, actually, you know what? You know what? Honestly, I don't even know if they have redrafted the '84 draft. They've been going like 2000 and backwards. So, but I just know that the redrafting is something that we see a lot of, and uh, we're going to do this here with the '84 uh, draft. All right, sir. Uh, do you want the? Should I take the first pick, or should you take the first pick? You take the first pick. Okay. You take these arrows. All right. So um, so the first pick in the 84 draft. Now, we got to keep in mind, we want to give people some flavor of who was in the 84 draft. All right. So we will give you a Terrence Stansberry. We will give you a Jerome Kersey, a Sam Bowie. We will give you a Charles Barkley, Akeem Olajuwon, Michael Jordan, Sam Perkins, Vern Fleming. We'll give you a Jim Peterson, a Steve Coulter. We'll give you a uh, Otis Thorpe. Allen Robertson. That was part of that 84 draft. So, so the first pick in the draft in 84 
as we redraft. And this is based on what we know now versus what they knew then at the Filt Forum in New York in 84. Uh, the first pick in the draft for 84 would be Michael Jordan. I'm glad you said it. I don't want Chicago mad at me. <laughs> well, I, I, does that make sense? Jordan Everybody be- listening to these airways right now is like, you can't do that. You have to. But yeah, I'm going to double down and say MJ goes to the Houston Rockets myself. Yes. It had been something if you went to some no, different I'm direction. Not going against that. Not a, knowing we know now, even at 84, you could have built around a two guard. But but it's it's 2020, and we know Jordan ends up being the best player in that draft. So that'd have been Jordan and Ralph Sampson. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan would have been a scrub. <laughs> he would have gotten the ball. <laughs> Jordan would average 12 points a game, and there would be no last the point guard was Al- Alvin Level. Wait. He would have ended up playing with Rodney McCray much earlier. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Think about that for a second. Jordan as a rocket in 84. There, there would be no last dance. <laughs> Maybe t- the documentary would be about the Warriors right now. It wouldn't even be about the Bulls. Oh, man. Think about that. So, I, so okay, let's, I'm going to roll it out there. Yeah. So no championships for Houston with Michael. Yes or no? I don't know. Well, him and Samson as a one-two punch. You don't think when they got Kenny Smith and then they got Big Shot Bob? Oh, no. Jordan would have been out the league by then. But he, uh, would he have had the same gambling issues? Because uh, he wouldn't have been three-peat Mike. He still would have been chasing the ring. That's a great put, Tyler. Put that on the poll at ESPN 1000. If Jordan was ch- is chosen first in the '84 draft, would he have won championships <laughs> with the Rockets? With the Rockets? With the Rockets? <laughs> Thinking not. All right, we stuck in a place I didn't expect for us to be at right now. <laughs> Wait a minute, that, that sounds terrible. All right, what's the number two pick for you as we go to you now? It this has is, to as, be as, as we as we uh, reimagine this '84 draft. So, who would be the second pick? It would have to be Hakeem Olajuwon. It would have to be. I'm sure they would sit there for a minute and say, hmm, Hakeem, Sam Bowie. Hakeem, Sam Bowie. It's Hakeem Olajuwon. I have Olajuwon written number two to Portland, too. Yeah. Now, now, now. They win multiple championships. That's the question. Yes. They win multiple championships with Olajuwon, you're yes. saying, right? Drexler. He, yeah. Porter. Yeah. I yeah, they so. would. They would have built around him. Because mm-hmm. I know it was all about the big man back then, but still, that's... You end up seeing a more obviously a more skilled big man than Sam Bowie. Yeah, they end up still signing Buck Williams in uh, free agency. Get Cliff Robinson late in the draft. Years I, later, I tell you one thing: yeah. Olajuwon wins championships in Portland with that team. Um, there is no talk about Bill Walton and Dr. Jack in the '77 team. Point well taken. I totally <laughs> agree with you. Like it would have been part of the history, but it would have been what Portland fans are uh, hung, hanging on to now because all, all they all they have is that championship with Dr. Jack. So now we go from we went to, from Houston to Portland. Now the Bulls pick at three. Who are the Bulls pick at three? I wrote down Charles Barkley. I wrote down Charles Barkley as well. Even back then, though, yes. it wasn't a big plotting center. But Charles Barkley is probably someone Kraus, well, I mean, I say Kraus, but Rod Thorne would have chosen. He, he would have liked him because of his energy. I agree. He would have gotten Stan all back fired a little bit quicker, too. <laughs> well, apparently that is the case, yes. So, 
MJ Olajuwon Barkley. Any championships in Barkley with the Bulls in 84? No. Wow. No. no. Wow. Barkley, Pip, and Grant. Nah. Oh, nah. So the Bulls they don't. They would have been contenders, though. But the Bulls don't win championships with Barkley in 80, with him being the vocal point of the offense. No. Okay. He would have thrown more than one guy through the window of a downtown <laughs> bar or club. That's for sure. Absolutely. Four to Dallas. Who do, who do you take four? I'm going to stay with their original pick and say Sam Perkins. Mm. I'm going to stay because I almost went with a certain point guard here, but they had Illinois' own Derek Harper. And that's the only reason I said, you know what? Derek Harper would be the point guard, so let's still go with the big man, Sam Perkins. You can still go small. I took Stockton at four going to Dallas. You can still go. I mean, you were it was tiny back then anyway. That's true. In the backcourt. But the combination of Sam Bam and then Roy Tarpley before the snorting. Ah. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So we dis- we differ on four. Five is Philly. Now, originally that was Charles Barkley, but five, I wrote down Sam Perkins. Okay. And I went with Alvin Robertson, who was a very good player for the Milwaukee Bucks. The only reason that point guard slid by that pick again, Mo Cheeks was still there. Mm-hmm. All right, so we got five here. Uh, six to the Washington Bullets. What do you take? This is where John Stockton makes his entrance in my draft. He goes to the Washington Bullets at number six. Uh, any championships for Stockton there? With the Bullets? Yeah. Nah, he probably ends up playing with Jay Humphreys a little bit sooner. That's about it. Okay. Uh, see, Perkins, I took Otis Thorpe. Otis Thorpe was a terrific, was a really was. solid player. He I mean, was really solid. He played for 17 years in the league, averaging 14 points a game and uh, five assists. He was just a good, solid player that lasted a long time. I went Otis Thorpe there. Two-time champion. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go with someone that rivaled and actually outplayed Michael Jordan. In that 1982 national championship game, he was phenomenal. Actually, hit the what was to was supposed to be the game winning shot before Michael Jordan shot. That is Georgetown's own Vern Fleming. Very underrated and kind of rotted away down in Indiana when they didn't care about the Pacers organization. Well, you was part of that those Reggie teams, right? Wasn't he or no? He was pre Reggie. Oh, he was pre Reggie. I pre-Reggie. thought he was like a bench guy. No, he was pre Reggie. Okay. Yep. Bert Fleming was a nice player. He was. Pre-Reggie. Mm-hmm. Let me look at those numbers again. Vern uh, Fleming was the 18th pick overall to Indiana out of Georgia. Okay. So, all right. One, two, three, four, five, six. Where are we? The number seven pick? Are we, are we at seven? Yeah. With San Antonio? Uh, I. That's where I took... Uh, I took uh, Alvin Robertson right there. Okay. Uh, Robertson went seven to San Antonio. I took uh, Robertson right there at seven. What do you have at eight? My first surprise in my draft, going to the Clippers because he seemed like a Clipper. I'm going to say Jay Humphreys. So, uh, no, Humphreys played in the league in 10, 11 years. Yeah, he was very solid at the two guard. I think his better years, were they probably were in Washington. He was good, but on the back nine in Utah. Mm-hmm. 
But when he was in Washington, he was a really good player. Eight to the Clippers. <laughs> I took Kevin Willis. <laughs> Kevin Willis. 21 years in the league, though, right? Now you can quality out of Michigan State, right? Yeah, he with the WWE elbow pads. Well, you had to do something when you your arms are too short to box with God. I, it's, it's amazing. Willis had 12 points a game, but his arms are so short for a big. You know, if you ever want to argue with one of my cousins, Maceo, if you ever bring up Kevin Willis, it'll be an hour conversation about how people underrate Kevin Willis. <laughs> how important he was to that Hawks team. But yeah, just but it's just over the top though, love of Kevin Willis. Maceo was just I was like, man, hey man, put the put the tequila down. Enough of, of Kevin Willis talk. The game's on. Um so so I got Willis there. Uh we're at nine now, nine. right? Yeah. What is this? What's this what's this team? Kansas City Kings? No, it wasn't. At nine, I think. Yeah. At, I think nine was uh, it says Kansas City Kings. Yeah. Oh, for God. Okay. I say they had yet to move to Sacramento. <sighs> okay. So that's where I put That's where Vern, Kevin Willis goes for me. That's where I put Vern Fleming. Okay. And Vern Fleming, again, a solid player, 12 years in the league. And 10, who do you have? That's the Phillies pick. Going to Philly instead of Barkley, Otis Thorpe. Hmm. I put him next to uh, the big daddy Moses Malone. And where did I put him? I put I put. Uh, uh, let me look. Oh, I, I went Michael Cage. Hey, <laughs> that's a solid pick at ten. 15, 15 years in the league. I mean, just longevity. You know, kept himself around the league. He's a color analyst for the Thunder now. Yeah. I want to say TV analyst for the Thunder. You're right. Had the, you know the, the Caffrey curl. You, you see the drip down his uh, neck. You remember this, right? Yeah, I almost want to sneak Tara Stanberry uh, in just because of the uh, Statue of Liberty, though. But you know what? Here's what's funny about that, though. He was only in the league three years. I know. <laughs> I know. He's known for one dunk, and that's it. That's it. And three years in the league. So for those that want to just review it real quick again, for the 84 draft, it, it went Olajuwon, Sam Bowie. You notice uh, Sean and I did not go with Sam Bowie because even though broken down out of Kentucky with all the injuries, still played in the league for 10 years. and still averaged 10 points a game somehow. And Chicago fans should thank Sam Bowie for being dishonest. You know, the story is when he was having his medical with Portland, they were tapping him on his femur or his fibula. Mm-hmm. And they were asking him, did it hurt? And he was lying, saying, no, it doesn't hurt. I feel fine. And all the, all the time he says he was in sharp pain. Well, there you go. See? There you go. So you. Michael goes to the Bulls at three. Sam Perkins at four. Solid, great, solid career. Barkley Hall of Famer at five. The Philly. Uh, Dinner Bell, Mel Turpin uh, goes to the Washington Bullets at six. Alvin Robertson uh, of Arkansas goes to San Antonio. Last, Lancaster Gordon. Pretty good player at Louisville. Um, goes eight. Kansas City Kings take Otis Thorpe. At nine, and Leon Wood. Shout out to the NBA refs. Yes. So, yeah, that's right. Leon Wood, uh, 10 to Philly in that draft. And again, Kevin Willis was not in the top 10. Jay Humphreys, Michael Cage, Terrence Stansbury, we talked about. John Stockton was taken 16th. Vern Fleming was 18th. Tony Campbell, solid uh, professional, off the, you know, last on the bench for the Lakers and those championship teams, right? I want to say. Yeah, 20 point score when they went to uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves in expansion. So Tony Campbell was 20 in that draft. And that's 
about it because that he starts to get a little thin. Ryan Anderson from Fresno State was on that draft, but otherwise, yeah, that, that's the oh. So is Jerome Kersey even in your top fifteen? He has to move up to like top fifteen, right? Oh, Jerome I totally Kersey? agree. Yeah, he was forty six to Portland, and he lasted in the league for seventeen years. So he was also in that draft. So you get Kersey and Elijah one in that draft. Woof. Yep. Wow. So what we've done here is we've made sure that Michael doesn't win a champion. <laughs> Michael doesn't win a championship with Portland, but Hakeem does. <laughs> with Portland, right? I think that's what we've discovered here. Put that on the poll also at ESPN 1000. If Charles Barkley is drafted uh, in the uh, third by the Bulls, do the Bulls win any championships? Put that out there as well. If they take Barkley, do they draft Horace Grant? No, uh, no. Yeah, so they might still get Pip. Okay, so now who else will be in place of Horace Grant? Okay, so then now we have to look at other drafts. Now, now we got to go to eighty-five. <laughs> That's what you want next, right? You want to talk about eighty-five? Let's do it. Okay, so next next time we do this, we'll do the eighty-five draft, the uh, Patrick Ewing draft. All right, so we'll do that. We'll do the Bill Wellington draft. We won't cheat at the uh, draft lottery. No. No, we will give you the Ewing draft and say where the, where the Bulls could have been able to get some there. As you're listening to Under the Hood. You're listening to Under the Hood. Get the ESPN Chicago app for podcasts. And the live stream from anywhere. 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 Download in the app store today. This is ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood here on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. So, you know that it was not necessarily a seamless transition between Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. I mean, it was seamless as far as one solid player to another, but as far as the relationship was concerned, it wasn't great because Brett Favre wasn't ready to retire. As you saw, he was uh, was in the NFL then had to come back because he missed the NFL and then finally he left. But it was interesting to hear from Brett Favre today as he was talking about this situation with, um, with Aaron Rodgers, trying to figure out if Aaron Rodgers is going to stay with the, um, with the Packers for the long haul. Apparently Aaron Rodgers believes that no things could change quickly for Rodgers and the Packers. Again, when adversity hits this year, 0 and 3, Couple bad games or whatever that is going to rear its ugly head, and uh, you know the daggers are are going to be out. So I guess my last one for you, Brett, and it's uh, it's a difficult question, but I'm going to ask it. Certainly more uh, trouble, uh, difficult to answer since it looks into the future. It's the old crystal ball, and you even said yourself, I'll "Play somewhere else." You do. You cut me off. You, yeah. th- you think he will not end his career as a Green Bay Packer, just like you? Um. My gut tells me no. You know, it's kind of cool now to. It's not uncommon to retire and unretire now. You know, when I did it, right? Um, it was a little bit uh, out of the realm. Now it's it's fairly common, not just in football, but in all sports. Tyler, can I ask you a question, sir? Yes. Who was that a different difficult question for more for Eisen or for Far? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I mean, this whole big wind-up, like, well, I, last thing we have for you is a very difficult, very... Think about uh, that for Eisen, too. He's winding that whole thing up, and then, boom, cut off. It's like, like do you think Rodgers is going to finish with the Packers, yes or no? That's a, Very difficult, very 
a heartfelt, uh, very hard question. That was it. Was it hard? I think it was harder for for Ryzen. That's what I think. It's harder for him. <laughs> it might have been. <laughs> Far was like, nah. I think he's gonna finish with a different team, like I did. <laughs> Coming up, we talk about some changes in the front office for the Chicago Bulls, and what does that mean? Also, baseball. Is it coming back? Is it right around the corner? We discuss it as we keep you company here until 10 o'clock right here on UTH.